You've reached Moody's Never Say Die Hard, a moonlighting podcast with Kevin and Chez. Each week we watch the next episode, available Friday, for you to download. For each break in the case, we have laughs for your face. For every twist and thrill, we have jokes that kill. Some fly by night, some fly by day. So let us now join Addison and Hayes. All major credit cards accepted. Hello and welcome to Moonies Never Say Die Hard, the Moonlighting Podcast starring Kevin and Chez. Hi, Chez. Hey, Kevin. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It is January 3rd of this broad of this uh broadcast, not broadcasting, but it's taping. And I think we can still say Happy New Year. I think we've got to like middle of January to say Happy New Year. Is that true? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I have I have nothing. I, I don't I don't think it's a don't wear white after Labor Day hard okay. rule, and I don't even think that's a hard rule. There was a guy that I met back when my daughter was in kindergarten, and she's anywhere from zero to a thousand years old. And, <laughs> and and when I met him, his nickname is Oyster Crackers. That's what we call him amongst our friend group. Does he know his nickname is Oyster Crackers? No. Okay, no. that's, that's he's a, not a great okay. he's not a great person, so it's all right. Then we're good. It, that's fine. It's okay. But the reason I called him Oyster Crackers was because one of the days at pickup at kindergarten, he was standing where all the parents stand waiting for their kids to come out, holding a very large bag of Oyster Crackers and eating them like chips. I mean, Oyster Crackers are delicious, but I've never seen that happen. Yeah, me neither. So yeah. we call him Oyster Crackers. He's a very interesting individual. He wanted to be my friend a lot. Uh, as another guy that was home and picking up at kindergarten, he wanted to talk to me. And and so he would he would oddly he's he was a very odd fellow and he would talk to me a lot. And I would I would be polite and talk back to him. But I didn't want to be his friend, but I would be polite. Now, every year around this time, no matter how far into the year we got, he would say Happy New Year to me if it was the first time we were seeing each other. Right. So it could be like February. And he would say Happy New Year if it was the first time at pickup we had wow. run into each other. And so I would try to see how far into the year <laughs> as my daughter got older, I could go without seeing him because I didn't want the awkward interactions that we had. And then, too, I wanted to see how far it could go if he would still say Happy New Year. So it, does Oyster Crackers still pick up his child at the same school? I don't school? know because my kid's older now, so there's not really a pickup like that anymore. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. But my guess is if their family did celebrate Christmas, they might have been throwing that tree out around March when it was way beyond <laughs> fire hazard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we are always happy to hear from our listeners, so we're wishing you a Happy New Year. We're not avoiding you to hear a belated Happy New Year, listeners. Yeah, I probably didn't come off great, but he's a weird dude. No, and, like, it happens. It just it happens. we weren't gonna click. <laughs> we weren't gonna click as people. Every interaction was very odd, and then I started to like not want to have those interactions. So I would just politely say hi to him, but I didn't want to like stand around and have like full on conversations on the playground with him. No, and no, you're not coming across odd at all. Listen, one of my jobs, and I have worked in offices. My boss, who was not a likable person, not exactly a good person, also wanted to be my friend and my boss. So there was yeah. a whole David Brent kind of thing going. I'm going old school officer. And I I didn't want to. Yeah. Because then he wanted to do joking, but then he'd have to do a top thing. Like you and I talk and we just have a normal conversation, whereas him, it became a battle. And I'm like, I, you know, you've hired me to do work and you are preventing me from doing this work because of what's going on right now. 
I did not say that. And then he eventually was no longer my boss. And so things work out. What we're saying is he eventually no longer showed up at school. So people, there's a lesson for 2024, which is not going to hold for 2024. Things eventually work out. It's not going to hold for 24 <laughs> in any way whatsoever. Uh, I just want to give a heads up. I am starting 2024. By the way, I feel like that's just a trigger phrase. We're just setting off assassins among our listeners. But uh, 2024 with a cold. So I apologize for any sniffles, any gagging, any, oh, dear God, I, Kevin, I can't do this right now. And then suddenly my mic goes dead. I apologize for all that in advance. I will carry it on. Oh, I know you will. I'll, I'll, di- I'll, I'll dial 911 yeah. and I'll keep the show going. I like how you'll be on both at the same time. Yeah, well. Talking and 911. And then when they see the transcript, it gets really confusing on a rescue 911 <laughs> if they do the equivalent of something like that anymore. Where it's just like, he keeps talking about David Addison. Is that the guy who's dying on his camera? I don't know what's going on here. But we welcome everyone, not only to 2024, that should get the last of our assassin triggers, but also to the second season of Moonlighting. And the second season of our podcast. See how that tied in? We want to thank everyone who tuned in for our holiday episodes that we kept titling as holiday episodes, although I think every single one of them had the word Christmas in it. We tried. It's blame Hallmark, Netflix, Hulu, Lifetime. Blame everybody. Just not us. Blame us. We're the ones (laughs) who chose it. It's our fault. But we had a lot of fun, and it was a nice little holiday. And we're back, rested refreshed yeah it was to go. good to see moonlighting again it was it was it was nice uh i mean we we have questions about this episode sure but we when do we not uh but it was nice it, it actually was a little weird because narratively i was used to everything having a, a hard christmas deadline oh yeah and every a, a lot of christmas decorations and maybe 47 songs half of them not even having to do a christmas i had plot expectations that moonlighting could no longer meet because yeah, Moonlighting was like, never supposed at, to meet them at no point did they say we got to solve this murder by the christmas soiree and i got confused by that yeah it's like can I, they just solve it anytime they want i wanted liam to appear from a christmas frequency and just applaud uproariously just happy when they solved the crime you're bruce willis <laughs> cut (laughs) i like how liam is also liam in real life he's not just a character the actor is exactly like that he's our he's our adult british ralph wiggum (laughs) and uh if for some reason you did not catch a christmas frequency just know listen to the podcast it's always there just know we're probably gonna if not in this podcast but through the rest of our lives we're gonna be citing liam he was the best friend of the main male character in a christmas frequency and he is a treat we just want to set up pieces to go forward in case for some reason you missed an episode or two of our podcast but we start fresh new season practically a full season as far as moonlighting is concerned because it took so long for them to film each episode they never hit the magic 22 or 24 i don't think i think this one's more of a 16 or 18 yeah i want to say 16 yeah we'll have the intern look it up yeah, Kiki, where, she's asleep. She's not used to the, these hours anymore, which is weird because she was working all through December in the tree. But we're back. And of course, back means we're also, once again, brought to you by Zini's Italian Restaurant, the only restaurant in America. Zini's, once a small table diner found by Mama Tetrazzini in Ann Arbor, now a one table restaurant with extra chairs in every Ann Arbor in the country. 
Just look for the logo clearly drawn by an overly encouraged grandson. And if you mention this podcast at Zinis, their staff will smile awkwardly at you for a few moments before resuming their work. Zinis Italian Restaurant. When you're there, you're family. For legal reasons. They haven't quite got their restaurateur license yet. Zinis. Have you eaten at Zinis yet? I'm so No. Tired. No, I told you. I, we have our reservations for 2025. That's right. I, I may actually try to crash that. I know it's a family deal. A family of indeterminate number. No, but, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, well, you may get charged a friend extra rate. I don't know how Zinis works that. This, and uh, by the way, Kiki came back, our intern, and it is a full 18 episodes. Oh, wow. Which is essentially four to six less than a usual full season at the time. If you're used to 10 episode seasons, which makes perfect sense, and is actually a godsend, to be quite honest, there were times that seasons were 24, 26 episodes. And by a series, by a season like three or four, it showed you couldn't maintain that. We're not saying about this. We're discovering moonlighting along with you once again. I don't recall how the series progresses. Yeah, so once again, this is made possible by a grant, or at least a sponsorship, from Zinis. Thank you so and much, And the Zinis. Chubb Institute. Yeah. Thank I'm you, looking Zinis. forward to having eggplant parmesan whenever I go there. I think they also make eggplant fries. Okay, good. All I know is apparently there is always a bumper crop of eggplant. So... <laughs> I guess don't invest in eggplant because there's so much or but there's so many zinis. Maybe do, you did not come to this podcast for financial or investment information. When is zinis going to have an IPO? Well, when they do, we'll announce. it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, we will be there. We, we will hopefully be the ones ringing the bell. We're just going to shove Mama Tetrazzini to the side and we will ring the bell when they announce their IPO. We're, we're sometimes pushy people. We're not at all, to be quite honest, which it will be a weird moment when that happened. I actually was at a uh, IPO, a bell ringing for stock oh. when I worked at Business Week, which for the sake of this podcast is a magazine. So oh, it's a okay. magazine outside of this podcast. But yeah, uh, got there very early, but had stayed up all night working on a presentation. So by the time that and then stayed up all night, actually stayed up, did a presentation, Went to an Elvis Costello show, had to go back to the office to finish the presentation. By the time we did, went down to Wall Street, did the ringing of the bell because business was Christmas was Eve. No, you'd think so, given the deadline and yeah. everything. No, this was like May, so oh, this doesn't wow. work. Right. This doesn't work well at all. But um, I'm not sure where I was going this, but I've been on the floor. You rang a bell. I've been at the ring. I did not personally ring a bell. The uh, publisher of Business Week rang a bell, and I think I could have done a better job. <laughs> He's no longer the publisher. I'm not going to look for him for a Because he couldn't it's ring a bell? <laughs> you don't even ring the bell. You press a button. There's no uh, There's no you just going there, dang, chang, chang. There's no Hawkeye where you take an arrow from across the, the quad. Oh. <laughs> I did watch all of Hawkeye again for the holidays, and I really enjoyed that. Very enjoyable like, series. You know I know what? I didn't do that, and I said I was going to do that. It, I thought we were going to do it together. Kevin. Yeah. I watched, what, what I watched the talk Ted about Lasso. This podcast? I, last, I watched the Ted Lasso Christmas episode every year. I watch good the Murderville Christmas episode every year. I did watch that. That was fun. <laughs> and then we watch Elf and Spirited. That's really like the ones we definitely do. I love Spirited. I do like Elf a lot, but I love Spirited. And when I said it happened in May, I did think the lyric, you know, every day or maybe just a random day in May. <laughs> so if you haven't seen Spirited, Watch Spirit. This podcast is not brought to you by Spirited, but we suggest it just not in January. Wait till November, December again. So season two of Moonlighting. 
Episode one, Brother, Can You Spare a Blonde, which title right off the bat does stress a sibling rivalry that will be at the crux of this episode, but also, once again, Maddie considered a little property. So not the when we saw the title before we saw the episode yeah. and we came across the title, I think both of us at the same time went, yeah, geez. <laughs> and it wasn't. It really it wasn't. Yeah. So what we're doing something new, which we're going to give you a summary of the episode. At the beginning, yeah. like we did with our Christmas specials. We're saying holiday specials, but we really, we really screwed the pooch. I actually was trying to screw the pooch, and I don't know what boat reference I had, but I ended up with the line, screwed the boat, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> but if we can make a cannon for our podcast yeah. for no reason, whenever it says an error, we screwed the boat, we're good people. So if seven episodes later, you're wondering what it means, sorry to hear. I will say, they really screwed the boat on the ending of this episode. When oh, it was, to it, yeah. It, it was a full boat fornication fornication yeah. on this one. It it was it was here. So summary. Yeah. When a drug deal turns out to be a drug bust, a Philadelphia dealer on the lamb hides a suitcase with a hundred grand, which is about I did the inflation count, about two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars today. Which I was surprised. I was gonna I was expecting like a six hundred thousand. It's uh inflation wasn't doing the magic I thought it was. <laughs> but he hides a hundred grand in a suitcase in that very classic 80s suit briefcase. Oh, it in was a, like the alligator. Yeah, it was yeah, really nice. Chef's kiss. It was yeah. perfect. In a parked car's hood for say stupid keeping. Yeah. What's amazing that he's able to close that. He did it. <laughs> he did it. I watched by it the way, a second time. It doesn't really close. By the way, I want you to know, because let's say for the purposes of this podcast, I live in New York City and therefore do not have a car. So sometimes I... I did text like it is cold. You don't live in New York City. Name three streets. Prove it. (laughs) 42nd, 43rd, 44th. Yeah, he's right. He got it. He knew. Yeah, no. (laughs) I felt so bad because there was someone who, when I was working at Business Week, they were from the British office, and they said they didn't like New York because it was confusing to get around. And I said, a little more sarcastically, I meant, yeah, I can understand how it's confusing considering it's a grid. A numbered grid. We, we I have started the year. Fun. We have started the year with stories of us not being nice to people. I know <laughs> when we we're like coming. the nicest people. <laughs> yeah, but you know, on the other hand, whenever you say you're, we're, whenever someone says you're the nicest person, it always sounds suspect. So we're just making yeah. it worse. All right, so maybe we're not. Well, maybe, maybe that's we're what just... we're gonna find out this year. All I know is we're is not we... great. We hired a cat as our intern, which I think makes us sound endearing or remarkably cheap. I don't know which endearingly it can be both why not we embrace everything so uh parks it oh, in a car it puts yeah. it so anyway i i actually looked at it is a hood right you know, yeah it's so, a hood yeah yeah i know this is sad people but say stupid keeping as i stress here because i wrote it here but i'm stressing here turns out that car belongs to david addison's brother richard who then heads off to la with the cash to prove to David what a success he supposedly has come all the while the dealers i'm stopping in mid-sentence because this episode just ends with so yeah. much unresolved. That's it. Plus, I'm going to say two things about this episode just ends. And supposedly there is an ending. There is an ending that makes any sense whatsoever. And every scene in this episode, there's there's a few, there's, there are things to like about this episode. And there's one oh, yeah. thing that's just one of the most loveliest scenes we've seen so far in Moonlighting. But every scene takes so long. Yeah. It's I, like the entire was... show is killing time. Yeah. It's which funny is, because... They said they had to kill time to start off the episode. Right, because of the opening segment. Yeah. So the opening segment 
is Maddie and David, who start off as Maddie and David, but then basically reveal themselves to be Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis, breaking the fourth wall, which I think is the first time they really do this. Yeah, the folks, the which becomes yeah. a moonlighting tradition, which I've never had a problem with, and I didn't have a problem with this thing. So they're talking about how they were a minute short, and then they're arguing about the reason they were a minute short is because they talked too fast, and all that is true. They get into an argument, they leave. I don't know if they actually, at that point, the actors were actually pissed off at one another because that's what happened on the set eventually then uh they come back they realize they still didn't do it they had to do it again and then they actually start the episode by playing it on a film projector yeah that was really not, not even a kachunk vcr this is 1985 1985 will come up a few times here in this episode oddly enough so i actually wanted the camera to go to yeah. the screen and it would flicker so like when they would show the old cartoons at the ground round David's oh restaurant, yeah, they, you know you get to see cartoons and you go I I you know you're a little kid going I think I'm the only one who Oswald the rabbit is and there's a lot of text and all the kids just are focusing on their burger ground round needed a few things but David could maybe fix it but yeah so they mentioned how they had to kill time and then they spent a lot of this episode killing time. killing time and like a lot of episodes and like a lot of mystery shows it starts with first several minutes where you don't see the main characters that's the norm yeah it works perfectly fine and this one was a drug deal in Philadelphia, South Philly, South Philadelphia, born and raised. That's all I wrote down. Yeah. That's all you wrote down for the drug deal? <laughs> yep. All right. So I have a few notes. I'll carry us through the drug deal. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I, I wrote down in South Philadelphia, born and raised. That's where David's older brother spends most of his days. Okay. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. That is perfect. By the way, there's, I don't think there's any, no, there's no basketball play. No one gets to spin David's brother around. David's brother, played by SNL alum for one seed, Charles Rocket. We'll get to him shortly. I know we said we would not do to get to him shortly, but... Let's talk about the drug deal. We'll talk about the drug deal. The first thing I noticed about the drug deal was the music. Yeah, this was weird music. It was, and it wasn't. Okay. Because I'm hearing the music, and the first thing I'm thinking is, this is a ripoff of Tangerine Dream. Now, for those who may not know what Tangerine Dream is, Kevin, you said, we we are on the points of the Gen X spectrum that every so often things get skipped between yeah. us. So, that's in, so this would be one of them. So Tangerine Dream was a German electronic band who, in addition to all their other albums, scored a metric shit ton of movies, TV shows throughout the 80s, Legend, Thief, Firestarter. So I'm hearing this music, and my first thought was, this is kind of a Tangerine Dream ripoff. Then I'm listening going, this is actually a pretty good Tangerine Dream ripoff. Then I thought, I think this might be actually Tangerine Dream. And it is. It's from their soundtrack for Risky Business. The track is called Guido the Killer Pimp. Is Risky Business before this? Yes, the Risky Business is about 1981. Okay. So it's about four years before this, because this would be September of 1985. And Guido the Killer Bit, played by Joey Pants himself, Joey Pantaleone, which was the first sign that you never trust Joey Pants in a movie. When I saw Matrix, I said, he's going to screw you. It's Joey Pants. But he's on the team. He's on the team. Well, he's on the team also in The Fugitive when he's a U.S. Marshal and he's a good guy. But in every other thing, he's going to you don't trust Joey Pants. And I said that to the screen. None of the other characters reacted. The people in the audience didn't take well to me saying that out loud. But I get involved in movies every so often. And I'm going to tell you, I was right. He screwed them. By the way, if I just blew something from Matrix for you, it's it's 1999 people. And it was the first million seller DVD. So you had you've seen it. I'm just saying I know you've seen it. And if you haven't seen it. You don't want to see it. Anyway, so Tangerine Dream does most of the music, except, of course, the two tracks known from it, which is old time rock and roll, Bob Seger. Right. 
and the sex scene on the train in the air tonight. Oh, okay. Which then every high school I know tried to replicate, but we didn't have trains on Long Island, as if we're going to assume that's where I was. So uh, this is where I'm going to blow my location even more where I grew up and nearby. So try to do that at the Comac Motor Inn. <laughs> Near the Comac movie Multiplex. We, we, we live the high life on Long Island, is what I'm saying. Anyway, so the drug deal is actually a drug bust. Yeah. He, he's upset that the guy is late. A little weird. And then uh, they exchange money. Well, I, would, I will allow bad guys of this ilk to have peculiarities and things that they oh, no, you want care about. Yeah. You so want oh, so no, I meant it was weird the cops were late. I meant oh, it was that weird is the cops were late to what to something they've that set is true. up. Yeah. And so that didn't make much sense. A lot of car hood writing. Hoods get all mentioned on this because once he tries to escape, because the, the cop reveals it's a bust, he tries to escape with the money, not the I coke, but with the money. The, yeah. I'd like to go back to the cocaine. All right. So this is a bust for cocaine. It's a coke purchase. Um, Apparently, the cop who he does not know is a cop is going to give him a hundred thousand dollars for some coke because he's 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 it's a starter business. It's like a seed coke to start yeah. your own business. <laughs> and so the cop has to test it. So they do like they do in all of these things: a knife to the bag thing on the knife. But then they put the bag back in the suitcase that they just cut open. So does the cocaine just like pour out? into the bottom of the suitcase but when they isn't do that this? the problem because they do every... this a lot yeah right it's a, that's why i assume i thank you for mentioning that because i've thought that in movies before second of all i'm going to tell you i guess you'd have to be a real coke i don't know what co- i wouldn't know what coke tastes like and if this I, guy was new doesn't it know numb what coke things tastes like? doesn't it numb your gum if you put it on your gum instead of like snorting it doesn't it numb it, yeah, i thought that was like what they would gum, do is yeah. like they taste it and it numbs their tongue then it's coke Right. But he I, sniffed I it. Like this guy did like a sniff. Although but, he took it off the knife, which I appreciated because it always freaks me out when they when they do a snort of a blade. Oh, yeah. You're going to sever a nostril. I don't, I, I, yeah. I'm not a fan of that as well. And I also think whenever they did the taste, you're right. It is a numbing. But I also thought you're, you're tasting knife. That's all I'm going to taste. <laughs> I, I have minimal taste buds, so I don't think Coke dealing would be in my future. I'm hoping it's not because a lot of wrong turns have to happen for that to happen. Chess, but, is it Coke? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's right. uh, I mean, I guess. It's, it's a nice knife. But when he reveals jackass, this is a bust, and he tries to escape, he drives off. The cop hangs onto the hood for a long time. Actually, does mm-hmm. he hang onto the hood beforehand when he wants to leave the dealer? Yeah, yeah. He when he's that. trying to ditch the dealer, the guy hangs on the hood. There's a lot of hood riding, like this. And then later, when he says it's a drug bust, then another guy goes, "By the way, I have never seen co- so many cops shoot in the air in my life." It's that because you will watch this episode; they're not even getting close. No, it's it's as if they were hoping they'd shoot down a passing dragon and it would land on his car, because they're shooting <laughs> clearly up. They're, they're just and then the, and then he drives. And there's a car, and it becomes the classic, you hit that car at a speed he could never use it as a ramp, flips over, he's able to crawl out of the car with a limp and get away from these cops who are just not in a car accident. So these are yeah. bad cops. He is a good driver. He is a good driver. And he has no problem running his car into police officers prior to the point where he flips the car over. Right. He, so, he is a bad guy. Our idea is that he is a bad yeah, guy. He's a bad guy, but I don't understand how he decided he was going to drive into that red car all of a sudden. Like he swerves around the cop guy. I don't think that was his plan. No, his but, plan was, but yeah. why is he swerve? I mean, he had no problem having other cops on his hood 
what was the deal with this one? So he flips it over. He doesn't have a seatbelt on. There's no airbag. Oh, there's never a seatbelt in this. But... He flips it over, and then he just climbs out of this vehicle. No problem. I mean, he has a limp, but, I mean, he should be very dead, right? Well, here's the thing. First of all, the way you, you bring up a very good point. He hit a car that he could have easily avoided. This was under an overpass or under a highway. Yeah, overpass. yeah. The classic, you know. You, where you do drug deals. Yeah. You knew where it was, even if you've never done a drug deal like we have. Hence why we knew about the numbing of the top. We have no knowledge of drug deals. <laughs> but I always put a little piece of tape. I bring a piece of tape to my drug deals and i put it over the little hole they make in the bag so that the cocaine doesn't get out i bring I one like piece of tape <laughs> i like to put it in peanut butter so i know i'll take it i won't spit it out oh, and hold smart. my mouth i get that's smart. I put it yeah, in a yeah. pill pocket but sometimes yeah. you can work around the pill pocket and spit out yeah, the yeah, coke yeah. like my cat boys yeah. used to do with his pill <laughs> but <laughs> so here's the thing so when he hits the car there's plenty of room it reminds me of that old far side when you see the distance the dinosaur. It's like six panels in a panel. And you seem to get close. There's one lone tree in the foreground. Da, 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 da. Until the end, he just walks into the tree. The one lone tree has been walking for miles. And it was a joke basically about dinosaur brains. That was essentially this. But this guy limps off, chased by cops who are not limping, who have not got into a crash. My brother actually flipped his car once. He tried to avoid a thing, flipped it over, oh, which is a good thing because he was about to drive into a playground. Okay. That was not the goal, by the way. Right. Flipped it over. Everyone came running. He climbed out on the side, the sunroof, which is why it's also crucial to have a sunroof sometimes, people, in case you're prone to flipping vehicles. <laughs> and what happened? He scratched his thumb. So it can happen. You just have to have my brother has about 700. What do you call guardian angels? Guardian angels have left of other people for the thrill of chase. That is my brother. <laughs> so Aww. maybe maybe that's the same with this guy. But he limps off with the money because he's not an idiot and then he kind of is an idiot yeah so he goes he goes right to a conveniently placed parking garage it is la there no it's not la it's south philly where he was born and raised yeah yeah so so he goes to the the parking garage and starts uh checking door handles and trunks to see i assumed he, he wanted them. a car to drive off that he that's could what i did yeah. that's what i did too now in the 80s because i don't this is my my memory gap that you fill in. We've got we've got like a what do we have a twelve year difference? Yeah, about that maybe eleven. Yeah. yeah. Did you have to pull on door handles multiple times to make sure that a door is locked, or just one pull's good? That depends entirely on your OCD. Okay. Yeah, he double checks every single door handle as he's going. I'm try. I, I'm pretty sure he's trying to find a car to drive, and then we learn he's not. That's what that because uh, that would what logic would indicate. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's a drug dealer, which means as far as we know, drug dealers, he can hotwire a car. I sure. don't know if it all falls under the same major in college, but you figure yeah. you learn a few things. It's a Lincoln yeah. Tech thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> we'll give you your own each week. You put a new tool in your toolbox. Until yeah. You're able to hotwire a car and do a major Coke deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's he's trying to. We learn stash the money somewhere for some reason. Well, I'm he, not he is sure limping. Why? Here's the deal. Yeah. And this is this is the problem. I, no, you can go on. I'm sorry, I'm jumping in here. No, no, but no. If you're, yeah. Okay. So this is a guy who's very precise about the time in the meeting that he doesn't trust anyone. I get it. That's the business. Yet his plan is to hide it in some random car that he has to assume is someone's not going to drive away with and is still going to be there. But bigger question. Why even hide the money? 
Why not right. run with it? They know you have the money. They know you are guilty. If they catch you, they'll just say, where's the money? There's no Ali Ali oxen free with money. Yeah. Also, a question that will come up through this entire episode. Did they just stop pursuing him when they didn't they get him that day? They absolutely stopped pursuing him. They, there's never a word on the Philadelphia cops working with the FBI at a certain point, or at least the ATM or something, because he has clearly crossed state lines. He will eventually go to California following uh, David's brother, Richard. And he is out in the open. He's able to make calls. Nothing. Yeah. They I mean, they never know, follow They know who this guy is because yeah. it was a sting operation they, to like they precisely thank so you they, they precisely they should be able to is. find this guy or at least stop him from getting on a plane thank you they i mean maybe it was harder back then but they just stop we don't even see them running near him yeah they we never hear again about him being pursued we hear that there's a reward for him at the very end but yeah. we never he, but like so like is the is the briefcase his only identifying factor <laughs> and if he's not, not the face if, not the no, name not the, not face the fact that they, they clearly had communication <laughs> with him to, to, to the, make the cops the deal. are like i want an apb out on on a guy oh god he has a briefcase <laughs> he has a briefcase he's got a briefcase. it's like the one we took from storage i it's, it's the you know, it's a briefcase. <laughs> it's, it might be alligator. I'm just gonna say it is a nice briefcase. It might have the little number lock, but I think it's really just a little chunk on the sides. I, yeah. I think there may be folders in there, but it's maybe. You know what? We should know. It's our suitcase. We gave I mean, him the enough time has money. passed that he could have transferred the money into a different suitcase at this point, a and bag. then we're all lost. I mean, <laughs> first of all, it's their suitcase. <laughs> And I mean, granted, we were talking about 1985, but some tracking technology, I don't know, but fair suitcase. <laughs> but he hides it as if that's it. If they don't yeah. find them with the suitcase, yeah. they forgot about him giving bags of Coke, one that is just spilling all over a suitcase now, because I'm like, <laughs> your foresight, they did not bring scotch tape. Um, you got to bring a little piece of tape to every cocaine deal. I, I think you should always bring tape. I think yeah. it's a, you know, it's a bug out bag. You always just have it just tape in the bug out yeah. bag in case the bug out bag you know when society collapses you might have to do a few drug deals we're not encouraging that no we're just telling you 2040 when the world ends it's a different place people anyway so yeah so he has to stash this briefcase because the cops are hot on his trail and where does and he put it as we discuss in, in the hood of a car of a really junky car that looks like if it's not going to be driven away it's going to be taken away and maybe that's what he decided. Maybe he decided this car can't start, so it must be abandoned, and I can well, come back. Maybe that's it. That may very well be the case. I apologize for ceasing. So this is our segue into Richard Addison, David's older brother, which we get a clue that he's David's older brother because when they do meet each other in a restaurant later, after having not seen each other for years, Richard is called Wally and David's called the Beef. Wally was the older brother and leave it to Beaver. That's how I knew immediately he was the older brother. And Richard Addison is doing a presentation at what looks like it's not a great hotel. It's 1030 at night. It's not prime time for presentation. It is cringe before cringe was even a cringy was a word for cringy. It's purposely done so. He's mm -hmm. got two poppin' lockers who then do a horrible he does a horrible white guy rap. You know it's a bad you know it's a low end presentation when the person who's giving the presentation is also their offstage announcer. That's always and I, I think yeah. that was a narrative choice in that yeah. thing that you know you do that, you know there isn't a lot there. And now granted, I did like the fact that they knew this was horrible. This white guy yeah. doing a rap was horrible, making these two 
people do a pop and thing was horrible. This was from an era when that exact scene would have played out in movies everywhere and TV shows. And this would have been talking like, oh, we know the street. Yeah. When anyone of a person of color with a red bandana was going to show up with a boom box and a, a large piece of cardboard and just electric boogaloo. Because that's what it was at that time. There are not a lot of narrative, poor narrative choices in the 80s. We actually get to see some 80s movies, not really, but posters eventually. We, we really get a feel what year this is through this movie, through this episode. So David's brother, Richard, is seemingly doing worse than David. Oh, far worse. Now, we've established that David lives in an alley. Oh, God, yeah. And that's on the good days. So where does David's brother live? I'm assuming that car. Yeah, right. I'm I'm assuming if you look in the backseat of that car, there's a blanket, several Whopper wrappers. Yeah. And uh, copious tears. I don't know. But he is living in that car. There's no way around it. He talks about a Porsche because that's a car you would mention in the 80s. Yeah. Because he's trying to talk up to, to the two uh, people who dance for him. A little background information on the actor playing Richard Addison, who is Charles Rocket. Charles Rocket, by the way, born Charles Adams Clavier, Claveri. I believe C L A V E R I E, which I'm not saying it is, but that that is a moneyed name. Whether or not he was, I don't know, but that is a classic moneyed name. And he was part of the 1980-81 transitional year in SNL when it was the last of the old guard had gone, and he I think did the weekend update and it was positioned to be the breakout person. And the breakout person, oddly enough, ended up being Joe Piscopo. But this is also the year that Eddie Murphy appeared as a featured player. So Joe Piscopo's reign of terror was going to end quickly. It was going to be Eddie Murphy. This was also that year also had Gilbert Gottfried and Denny Dillon. It was quite the cast. And eventually he got kicked off the show because he said, fuck live on the air. But he did do a lot. You saw him in movies. Yeah, he was the he was the main bad guy in Dumb and Dumber. That's what I know him from. Yeah, he he would he would be very good as the waspy main bad guy. Yeah, as the upscale waspy, he had the looks, he had the manner, and he does a good job in this episode. Uh, Kiki just texted me uh, <laughs> and said that Claveri is French for keyboard. Ooh, so his family is of the keyboard fortune. Of the keyboard fortune, yeah. Yeah, I mean we all use them. We we do, and I did not know there was a little TM or trademark at the end of keyboard. I don't know if it, that time, ha- I imagine if we can all use Steamboat Willie, then maybe that time has passed with the keyboard. Remember Broccoli, the family that does uh, James Bond movies, the Broccolis. That vegetable is named after them. <laughs> I don't think they hold the trademark on that vegetable anymore, given that it's been several hundred years. But can you imagine being a family that there is an everyday food item, maybe not in your house, but an everyday food oh, item. come on. You said you don't like broccoli, or do you like broccoli? I like broccoli, but oh, okay. not really. Like, I will eat broccoli. Okay, if I if the, if the family's <laughs> name was Brussels sprout, would you have eaten? Do you eat Brussels sprouts? I just started eating Brussels sprouts. Yeah, that's right. You did. Yeah, you have made yeah. a change. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to knock your diet. Listen, my no, diet, okay. my diet is not a fun diet. Yours is. I, I much prefer yours. And that's you're, why you'll be carrying this podcast on long after I have gone. <laughs> but in your memory. I appreciate it. I will always say, and please welcome Kevin in spirit. Oh. I will. I, you will never be forgotten. <laughs> but so the presentation he's doing in the rundown thing at 1030 is for a liquid diet meal called Rich and Thin. Although the song is called Thin and Rich. They couldn't get that right. <laughs> what was interesting about this is how popular those were at the time. 
the diet the diet plans were the liquid or not and so i wrote a quick so there was the cabbage soup diet which okay. is not one that i remembered as much there was the grapefruit diet which i remembered a lot there was the cottage cheese diet which i remember yeah, yeah. by the way i was not doing these diets i was a chubby kid in high school and middle school at these points so it wasn't like him you know, there was the beverly hills diet the scarsdale diet all these are remarkably restrictive diets where basically you can eat all these fruits and you can do these things and you lose a bunch of pounds and then maybe if you had a snickers one day 11 pounds would reappear but my favorite diet, and I don't say favorite as an uh, but just remarkably named diet. Let me put it that way. I don't know if we talked about this before, but are you familiar with the AIDS diet, Candy? No. Okay. So there was a very popular diet plan. It was a diet plan called AIDS. Mm-hmm. A-Y-D-S. The taglines for AIDS in the commercials, and I suggest you look them on YouTube because they're all there, is, quote, AIDS helps you take off the weight and keep it mm-hmm. off. And... Why take diet pills when you can enjoy AIDS? Now, obviously, this started before the epidemic. But when the epidemic hit, the company refused to change their name. Probably because horrifically so, they thought, oh, it's a niche thing for a niche group of people, you know, the small mind sure. kind of aspect. Yeah. But they went all in because they didn't, I, I think they went to like 86 or something, which is long after this was. So, they, uh, so and I'm thinking, you know, we can do it. We can write it out. And by the way, we're still keeping our lozenge throat cancer. <laughs> but it's spelled with a K, you know. So I'm assuming only the first C would be changed. Otherwise, you'd have throat canker, which actually sounds like a Dick Tracy villain, which brings me to a point. The guy playing the drug dealer in this episode played a villain in the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy movie. Uh, Itchy. Not the mouse. Okay. He, he played Itchy. He actually had pretty. I recognize his face when I saw him in the episode. I've seen him in various things. I probably wouldn't have recognized him as Itchy and Dick Tracy because, one, there was a lot of prosthetics, and two, oddly enough, I've never even seen the film. Did you ever see Dick Tracy? No. I think I had a choice between Dick Tracy and Gremlins 2, and I went Gremlins 2 in the theater, and I quite enjoyed Gremlins 2. Okay. Because has a bad rep. Very enjoyable. Tony Randall voices a gremlin. It's perfect. You'll love it. Okay. I guess I'm going to see Gremlins too. <laughs> and Risky Visit. We're, we're setting a whole thing uh, here. It's going to be perfect. But, uh, yeah, so he leaves finds the money and does what anyone does i'm now rich yeah which is what you do so he goes the way we get to see david and maddie is david's brother what's his richard. name richard yeah. richard goes to california because he's on the run from the bad guy the bad guy has run his plate and knows where he's gonna be so now so now which we get to see Kevin. yeah <laughs> he's a bad guy He's a bad guy. He's, he's not a Philadelphia cop. He has connections. He can do things. <laughs> he can pursue. <laughs> he pursues his own narrative. The Philadelphia Police Department could not find this guy who they did a drug deal with that they set up themselves. That they must know all the information about him. Everything. But, but it's the not bad like guy, when he. It's not like when he leaves Philadelphia, they give up. It's like when he leaves South Philly. Yeah. It's like when he left the underpass, they gave up. But the bad guy doesn't even know what the driver of the car looks like, and he can track him down. Yeah. This is like when they hire, like, the hackers to work in the government. Like, they need to get this bad guy on the force right. in Philadelphia because he has means. So when we're in California with our main characters, Maddie and David, we right. once again have learned that nothing has changed since season one. They don't have any money. They continue to staff so many people, but they have no money to pay them. They don't get any business, and it's still going on. And the whole 
the whole time that Maddie's going through all the sadness in her life and all the lack of money and how the IRS is coming after her and she owes real money. $35,000. They're going to take the, uh, her house. Take her house. Yeah. Well, they're telling her to sell her house. I kept saying, get out, (laughs) Maddie, just cut bait. Leave. (laughs) Why are you there. First of all, she complains about payroll taxes. Why do you have a payroll? You've gone on mysteries. Okay, now it sounds like it's back to the Scooby-Doo gang. You've gone on mysteries, but you've never brought any of the staff. They've never done anything. It seems to be larger each time. Yeah. They're not, we they're not that, college interns. We learned that Agnes is the accountant, too. I like that. I like that they expanded her. Uh, That's fine. Footprint the thing but, like, but they have enough people that they don't need to double up their jobs. Yeah. And she's losing for all the right, understandable reasons for shit. And David, David will do some right things here. Sure. He but he's still. But he's still David. He's still a man child. He's still saying they're one good case away from from hitting it big. We're sitting on a money machine. They've been there for months. They're not on a money machine. They're not and clearly he's cases. just trying to keep his job. They he's still didn't get to... a case this episode. No, <laughs> they didn't get a case. But half the cases they get weren't even cases they're hired for. So they didn't even make the money based on those cases, which brings us back to a Scooby-Doo economics. And it doesn't make sense. So she's losing it. And a couple times through here. David says lines that are so David that you actually want the second unit director to come in and smack him. And in this case, and Maddie, you're losing. First of all, I'm amazed this got through. Maddie, you're losing a grip and I haven't even had a chance to sample it yet. And I will say I pause and I'm going, how did that get through? Am I am I reading it in a way that I shouldn't be reading it? Because I'm reading it in a very specific way. Yeah, I mean, I hear the way you're saying it. I did not notice that line. But yeah, that's there's no I mean. Yeah, if you yeah. can give me a different interpretation than the one I'm obviously thinking, then one, I have my own issues. But two, I can't see another way out of that line. No, and I'm sure it's what it was because yeah. everything that they do seem to have brought the tension, the sexual tension between Maddie and David up Which was the purpose of this in episode. season two. Like it yeah. seems like season two is doing that because even even silly stuff like when he pretends to get a new case and Maddie comes in worried or like worried about all the bills and everything. Right. And he's on the phone pretending that he's on a call with somebody getting a case. So he looks good in front of Maddie. He eventually calls it an inquiry. And then he says an inquiry is just what's he say? Like case foreplay case or something foreplay. like that. And so like everything was very sexed up. So I didn't hear that line, but I, can't imagine that it means anything else anything else i mean eventually we're gonna somehow work in in regards to business the term pre-coil at some point the way this is going (laughs) so i want to talk about because we wanted not we wanted for season two to not be as linear as we were in season one right we want to be loose have fun enjoy i want to talk about how our good pure innocent agnes is actually in on something that isn't so great where she hits the buzzer to let David know that Maddie is coming to either yell at him or talk to him. She right. gives him a warning buzzer, which is, I thought, very out of character for what we've decided in our heads <laughs> Agnes is, this pure, perfect thing. <laughs> I, 
I do like that we did how you phrased that what we've decided what we've projected or what we need for Magnus, which is yeah. not fair to the character or the performer. <laughs> and you know because we are being very guys. You're the virgin. You're 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 the safe one. You're the good one. And that's not what we should be doing at all. But you're right. This is we we have high hopes for Agnes, and we said. But Agnes, she does this, which I assume she does on the regular. Yeah, if that's the case. David talks on the phone. David is again, like you mentioned, Kevin, big. Yeah, Detective Big. Yeah, it's Detective Big. He is a 13 year old. And his brother is the same. A, which at it least fits. they kept to that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, his, his brother. brother this... His brother has very similar discussions about how things hit it big just like yeah. his like like david had his seven met 11 and they decided to make a better convenience store speech that he did and his brother has one too that was very similar and i can't remember what it was about yeah he, he has two that he says quickly to the pop and lock dude yeah where he says you know it takes a little while for something like thin and rich or rich and thin depending on which song when you're listening to that listen gum it took gum, a while for people that was the, it yeah and yeah. then also lawns he goes off on lawns yeah now, lawns took a while to get it so, which was good. I'm glad yeah. they did that. They follow in that. So, yeah, Maddie, once again, Maddie, leave this agency. Just but she's sticking out. with it. Just get out. There's no reason. <laughs> David's bringing nothing. You You're not romantically. David. In. You can. You you know, you can. Every so often he's going to call and ask for money. And you give yeah. him half of what he asked for. And then you know you made a mistake and he's going to come next week. But instead, she's calling into radio stations trying to win. I. So when Richard opens up the suitcase in the trunk, as one does, with all the $100,000 bills that he later refers to, I had 100,000 individual bills. It's like, <laughs> you had 100,000 singles in that suitcase? The, the cops paid in singles. Singles? <laughs> Did they just scrounge it up over years from couches and under cars and whatever they had crumpled in their pocket and amassed this 100,000 eventually? But... Yeah, so he when he opened it up, we hear the OJ song for the love of money, which, by the way, did show up as the title on my captioning. Because, but I always knew the song was in money, money, money. It's the song you know as money, money, money. Anyway. Yeah. So when he does that, he runs off. That song continues on to the radio station that Maggie's hearing in her office. Nice segue. Except it doesn't matter. Because time-wise, it doesn't make sense. No. It's late night it's okay. in Philadelphia. So that doesn't yeah. make sense. But it was a nice little yeah. virtual segue thing. So she calls. The, the only reason I'm being at this is that the phone number for the radio station, yep. which is a K something because it is California. And, you know, yeah, over yeah. here we have W's. 555 five, 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 which is the worst code for anything. And the laziest phone number I've ever heard and does speak of some of the issues of this episode, because there's a lot of laziness. There's a lot of flab for an episode that was they didn't have enough time. There was a lot of should we take a second pass of this that didn't happen. And listen, I know I know back then and probably still now you got to do with the five, five, five. I understand it because there yeah. is no actual number that has a five 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 except I think an information one that's one two one two. I may not be even right about that. Just the, the last four digits should just be the call sign of the radio station. It should be five exactly. five five K R K M or whatever yeah, it was. K -R -K All right, here's here's here are the things that I want to talk about. Sure. I want to talk about Agnes standing up for herself. I want to talk about the really weird and I don't know how to feel about it discussion of david asking richard for money for maddie that is a right. weird seed and i don't really know how to process it emotionally and you did the writers then i want to talk about how 
Maddie seems to just like everybody to a default. She the, okay. First of all, imagine if I just did the worst improv here and said no to every one of those. <laughs> no, I don't There's want to no talk yes about that, no, or that. No. You know what? I want to talk about. I want to go back to ground round and Liam. They 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 don't connect. But this is all I want to discuss now. All right. So from the top sure, of yeah. your list, we have Agnes standing up first. So, but in order to do that, we actually have to go back one to David getting the money. Okay. So, so they, as they go out to eat she needs at the fancy restaurant. Okay, she needs 35000 yeah. Right. So they go out to this restaurant with David's brother, Richard, and... That's where they first meet again. That's when David... Yeah. That's when, yeah. yeah, and you get to see that David and his brother are very similar. Maddie yeah. gets to see that, too. Yeah. Then they go from there because Richard Navarone, gets a call. the drug dealer. Yeah, Navarone finds them, the bad guy, and calls the restaurant that they're at. Which brings up a question I'll ask in a second. Sure. And and so they go dance. He says, let's go dancing. Right. And so they go dancing. And he has a very nice, like, Richard. it seems like he's having a great time dancing with Maddie. And Maddie's having a great time dancing Here, with him. This is Richard. Richard. Richard, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And David's off in the corner just kind of being forlorn. Yeah. And so it comes to a point where David and Richard are hanging out. They have a moment together alone because right. Maddie gets a call at the bar. Which I also want to follow up on. I want to talk about that, too. Who is <laughs> she talking to? Who are the? I mean, like, Who? I get that Navarone called. I I, I, I I have a note to ask ask Ches. Right. Did people just get phone calls at bars all the time? No! <laughs> they don't even know she's going there. So that means she made the call. She had to make the call. Because sure. remember... They left the restaurant because Navarone, the drug dealer, who's better than the South Philly cops, traced him there. By the way, he traced him there and then just called, I want my money. When, in fact, what he should have done was meet him at the restaurant yes. or walk in there. Why yeah. give this guy repeat? He, the reason he left Philly for L.A. on top of using this money to basically lie to his brother and say he has this wonderful career and everything's going for him is also because Navarone called him at his house. Why does Navarone keep calling why doesn't yeah. he just show up? Is Maddie talking to Navarone? Are they having a wonderful cup? Because as you said, Maddie likes everybody. I don't know. Richard Richard is obviously a little shook when he gets the call from Navarone at the restaurant. And that's why they have to go to somewhere else. And, and they go dancing. He is immediately fine dancing. How does he not assume that this guy that knows where he lives Thank in you. Philadelphia, knows where he went in, in in California, knows what restaurants he's at in California, is just going to be like, well, I only check three places. I mean, yeah, because he's not a he's not a he's not a South Philly cop in the terms of not the. But yeah, he and that seemed perfectly fine. Yeah, and it seemed to they work out him. well. Yeah. So By the way, dancing. I do want. I do want to talk at the restaurant when David yeah. is going to try to do his, you know, I've got to impress my brother because I think he's going to try to impress me because he, he's me at the Italian restaurant. He tells Maddie, who he's clearly bringing over as a some sort of trophy woman, mm -hmm. because there's no reason for her to be there, except that she just is way too involved in David's life. David said, you know, right. listen, when you shake his hand, bend over a little. Not a class line. Richard, however, when he sees Maddie, stares at her like a 13-year-old boy and says, hell of an order, Dave, wouldn't let her get away. It's like... They are children. Just, they are we just children have to, talking we just have to accept this that they're children. Woman. Talking past this adult woman. Just children. It's remarkable. Yeah, and so I don't, I don't even think... If we just keep assuming the big theory, they both wished on Zoltar machines. Yeah. They're both tweens, maybe 13, but, but I they're can inside see them when, of the bodies. 
I, I can see them 13 year old, maybe 59 year old. Just doing that slap up fighting yeah. in front of the Zoltar machine, just constantly doing it until they press one. <laughs> I, they both I grab the first. piece. I, I wish they both, first. And then they both grab the paper, and then suddenly, <laughs> boom, there we are. And then we've got Nancy Travis going, Why am I dating these two idiots? Okay. <laughs> we, we've tied it into Big the movie completely. But. So I have no idea because Maddie's having a hell of a conversation. She's laughing and loving and more she's fun than I think time. she's having. A, so who did she call unless Navarone called the bar? And again, as you said, because she liked the hitman in an early episode, yeah, the yeah. old hitman, she just likes people. I don't even know. I, I think she was a little suspect of Nazi trying to kill them person. But I mean, overall, just like yeah, she just people. She's just enamored with anyone who shows interest in her, which is sad. So while she's on. Sorry, yeah, so while she's on the phone, yeah. Richard and David have a moment to have to talk to each other. And David decides this is a time that he's going to do something good because his brother said, hey, can I take a shot basically at Maddie? Is there anything going on between you two? Right. Can I can I give it a go? And so David says, essentially, sure, could I have $37,000? So here's the thing. Yeah. There are two things here. Yeah. One, okay, they, they, they just, he just bought Maddie. Just, just the worst Maddie. and decent proposal. Just, Ma one, Maddie's worth more than that if you're going to give away. Proposal, indecent proposal is what, 1990, 91, yeah. around that time? Yeah. So $85,000, $37,000 worth. By the way. Here's where the laziness kicks in. David does ask for $37,000. Yeah. But depending on what point in the screenplay we are, the dollar amount is $35,000. In fact, yeah. even later, Maddie says she's going to return the $35,000. So did David skim $2,000 yeah. off the top for himself? That's what I'm going to say. As the pimp, I'm going to give him the credit the of doing that. <laughs> he gets $2,000 as his cut. I mean, that may be a smart thing to do in a horrible situation like he just proposed. He, he skipped $2,000 for his pimp fee. And he, uh, his brother just bought Maddie for $35,000. Yeah. And that's the money that David will give Maddie, saying there was another account. And this is when we find out Agnes is actually in charge of the accounts, or at least fully aware of them. Agnes is more than the receptionist, because she was a great character, and they're going to put her more and more into the show. And this was a, a big sign. I mean, there was a full episode, the train episode, which was a really fun episode, and preceded the cream pie episode that closed last season. So Agnes says... There is no secret account. I've done all this. And David being big. Because he's he's a hurt little boy. He's a hurt little boy. Because he, he, he still, he loves Maddie, yeah. but he just doesn't want to admit it. And so he's mad that Maddie spent the night in any capacity. He doesn't yeah. know if anything happened. It's 1985 TV. We're assuming nothing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So so he's hurt. And so he takes it out on Agnes. Which, he, says, he says, go back to a cage. Yeah, go back to the cage. Go back where in your he, cage. Yeah. He before she even brings it up, he jokes to her about. She says, "I'm confused. So you just found out about that now?" Yeah. So there's a dismissive quality to begin. Yeah, with. he's he's not in a good place, and he's taking it out on Agnes, which is odd. It's it's an odd scene that leads to a because I would good have scene. never. I would even think for David that Agnes is off limits. If I'm a writer on the show. Yeah. I would think that he takes shots at everybody, but not Agnes. But not Agnes. He he does playful banter with Maddie, shots at everyone else, and you leave Agnes alone. Because Agnes so, is your compatriot, the way this show yeah. has been set up. And then while he's mad, he goes and storms off, and we get to finally see another place at Blue Moon Detective Agency. We think it's a shared bathroom We're for the floor. We're almost sure it's a shared bathroom, yeah. But it's still a new location at the workplace, and it's the men's room. 
and, and the he, sequence goes on forever. This is like this is like when Kevin Bacon angry dances in Flashdance. <laughs> Bruce Willis has to angry fight the bathroom. Faucets. And he turns when you're angry, you have to turn on every faucet in the house. Oh, God, I yeah. find that to be true. I think so. I mean, I only have two faucets, but I just turn them to hell. You got to turn them on. Apartment. You got to yeah. just get that out. You got to. Otherwise, how are you supposed to process things? <laughs> plumbing. It's all about plumbing. So anyway, he he runs into Navarone in the bathroom while he's, you know, angry. Navarone. But, but what? Before we get to that, I just want to say again, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. how long this sequence is. It was very how long. How it involves him wetting his pants with the thing. Yeah, then trying to dry him, him with a hair dryer yeah. and frying his genitals. Sure. Every moment is I expected to hear the three blind mice thing that used to be with the three stooges thing. or yeah. something. This was something that by 1923 would have been like Harold Lloyd's like, I'm not touching this old hack. What the hell is this? <laughs> and it just goes on. And when he hides in the bathroom or goes to the bathroom or goes into a stall, that's where Navarone finds him. And, but I, was, I just wanted to mention how. Yeah. It was and this is, this is a curious thing for Navarone, too, because he has mistaken David for Richard Addison. Because he looked up Addison in L.A., yeah, even though he knows thing. the other Addison is in Philly because he followed his car. Sure. I, I mean, whatever. So he mistakes him for that. He does the typical thing of putting David's face in the toilet like the, the, bad people do. And you need a comedy reel from 1935. Sure. 19, yeah. And so David comes back and wet, wet yeah. and, and Agnes stands up for herself. Thankfully, I'm glad they did this. I'm glad the writers did. I am too. And what yeah. I really do like about this scene is not only that it happened, but someone took care with the dialogue. Yeah. Someone decided, you know what? This is a line you really hear. Two lines, because it comes from the character, from her situation, and not from the screenwriter needing to get from A to B in a sequence. Yeah. It is very true in the moment. So the first thing she says, she goes right up to him, and as much as Agnes will storm up to someone and yeah. say, I don't want a cute apology. So I'm very yeah. angry at you. He starts doing his David sticks that I don't want a cute apology, which to me was the most real grounded piece of dialogue until the very next line, until a line shortly thereafter, which may be my favorite line in Moonlighting. It's not comedic, but it may be yeah. my favorite line. Meme. You think just because you make more money than me, you can be mean to me. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. It was such a wonderful cut the shit line. I sadly thought, does anyone make money? <laughs> no, no one makes a dime, but I imagine he's pulling a bigger salary. They've got to be sure. pulling salaries. Yeah, yeah. I also, I also liked how she ended with, after they made up a little bit, mm -hmm. she said, I know where you live. And I was like, where? <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> tell us, because we, we have random alley. We it's only know alley? random alley. So this was my favorite scene in the entire episode. It was the most real scene. This yeah. show doesn't need to be real. In fact, this show celebrates not being real. And that's perfectly fine. But it stood out, but it would have stood out in any episode. It was just extremely well done. So there's a confrontation at Maddie's house. Because where, that's where they're playing. So Richard and Maddie are playing Trivial Pursuit on what you found out the most confusing game possible. If you watch the episode, I don't know what board game they had for the pieces, but it wasn't a Trivial Pursuit board. They were playing Trivial Pursuit, but they 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 had like sorry pieces on top, so something that looked like a cross between Risk and Clue. Risk, Clue, Axis and Allies. I have, you yeah. know what? The only thing that game was missing was the Double Trouble dice bubble. Oh, the pop I bubble. I love that. Yeah. The pop bubble was just, yeah. it made, it was completely unnecessary and made every game better. <laughs>
I, I want that for video games. I just want the pop and dice bubble on the TV. Just hit it. It's it's the most it's the most tactile, wonderful freak. That sounds sad that I just said that's the most tactile, wonderful <laughs> so, experience. So the whole the whole grip thing mentioned I mentioned later. Clearly, I'm, I'm missing things. Go ahead. So David goes to the house to Maddie's house to confront Richard because he just got attacked by Navarone and right. he needs to, you know, find out what the real deal is with this money now. And so he goes there and he breaks open Maddie's front door. Like he kicks open her door for I don't know what reason. I know I know for the first time this whole episode he's in a hurry. But 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 he kicks open her door which felt unnecessary and just added to the amount of money that Maddie has to pay to fix but things. She said to him, she said to him, it took her 11 years of modeling and hard work to buy that house. She said it in this very episode, which I assume was maybe the day before. It's hard to tell time in these shows sometimes, yeah. the passage of time. And he kicks open a door. She, He knows how much the house is. Yeah. And first of all, that's first. Second of all, don't kick people's door open. You know she's no, going to open the door. Not. When does she never let you in? Go in the way that he did the last time when he was there for the date and he showed up to pretend to be her husband or whatever. Or father or some bizarre Whatever that brother. guy yeah, was. Whatever yeah. it was, yeah. But yeah, so they, they find out. And so the plan is to sell back everything that he bought. And this plan makes no sense. No. Because here's the thing. So Charles tells them, Charles, excuse me, right, Richard. Richard yes. tells them how he got the money, how he did it, and how the how he rolled around in the money. And you're going, yeah, okay, that's a character thing. How the, what she said was one of the, I actually thought was a very nice line, but just so sad, but it works out perfectly, which was Richard, the very first thing Richard bought was, I bought a garage door opener. It seemed like such a rich person thing to buy. And besides, someday I might have a, my own house. <laughs> I like that line. Yeah. It's I good. like that line because yeah. it does show his character. It fits in the character. I mm -hmm. also like how in captioning, they hyphen rich person. So rich person thing. <laughs> Someone in captioning was paying attention, grammatically speaking. So they decide they have to return everything that, that Richard bought because he kept buying stuff, even though. <laughs> Which, so yeah, out of $100,000, he apparently spent 99000 Yeah. And I made a little list of what we know. Which first... Crossbow, which is just comedic Again, old. 13-year-old boys. 13-year-old. A fur coat, we're assuming for Maddie, because it was at Maddie's house. Yeah. Uh, swimwear, a yes. new suit, the yeah. aforementioned garage door opener, the loan to David that is 35 or 37, probably 37. Yeah. But here's the thing. One, he bought everything at the same mall. Yes, of what was left. So we know he also bought first-class ticket to... Right. To California, and he spe he's staying at a staying staying at a very nice hotel. But and he went. Do to they the sell mall. crossbows in mall? You know, that's a stupid sure. question. He uh, he bought know. he bought thirty two thousand dollars worth of stuff at that mall. That is a good shopping spree in the eighties. That's like sixty thousand. That is amazing. And I would have liked to have seen that sequence because that right. sequence would have been better than anything <laughs> of the eighties mall sequence in Wonder Woman eighty four. <laughs> which wasted its mall sequence. We've discussed this. They didn't play one. They don't play an 80s song here, but they don't need to. It is actually 85. They don't play one 85 song. We discussed this before. You go there, one of your friends tries dresses or outfits, and you both try yeah. dresses, and you both have hats, and then you walk out laughing to to Aha or, or you know, Cindy Lauper, and you have six bags in each hand, and yeah. you've had a day at the mall. None of that happens. Here, it's the 80s mall. But, wow, that is a lot to spend. That's a lot, yeah. 
And so we they, don't know how they, long he's been there. That could have happened in one day. So they return $32,000 worth of stuff. And then they find Navarone at the mall. Following so then we get a mall chase. Yes. Which we haven't had a chase scene in a while. We so haven't actually. Good. By the way, Navarone does say the line about Maddie. She looks like a very expensive hobby. So there's this whole. Yeah. But you know, that probably made Maddie want to go out with him. You know what? He's <laughs> there's something in there. You you know, you scratch the surface, you're gonna fight a gentleman. I'm just saying. I'm a hobby. Talk more. <laughs> Maddie! Uh... <laughs> leave all these people behind. So so they have a chase, and then we get our big ending. I don't care about the chase. It ends with them with Navarone catching them and gets to say, like, let's go, let's Good go morning. to a movie theater because it's dark there. And and so it's not in public, so we can have this whatever they're gonna have. By the way, I did see the joke coming. Of course, you saw when the joke said, coming. When he said did what they, movie it was, yeah, did I knew they the joke name was. him after the joke? I'm so he goes, you know, we we'll see the movie. Richard says, "What's playing?" And he makes the joke, "The guns of Never." His name's character. He's holding the gun, and yeah, I have a feeling. And this is where the laziness kicks in. I think they named him because they came up with a joke that is not really much yeah. of a joke. I mean, yeah. It, it was a big movie. It was nominated for Best Picture. It oh, did was, well. I don't even know. Oh, you know, it's yeah. well, it's like 1961. I mean, that's okay. way before me, too. But it was a Gregory Peck, Anthony Quinn, okay. David Niven. I remember cast. But yeah, it's it's a big movie. But yeah, that that speaks to what's happening here. So what happens next is just so the, the movie theater is on the third floor of the mall. And so David decides that before they go into the movie theater and get confronted in the dark, that they need should. they need some kind of distraction. And so he takes the thirty two thousand dollars that they just got in returns and throws it over the railing of the third floor so that the money rains down and everybody goes crazy like they do when money rains down in any movie or a TV show. And probably people, reality. But yeah. yeah. But people try to get all the money and capture it. But it's not just it's also Maddie throws the thirty five thousand oh, yeah. she got because Maddie's not an idiot and she knew and, where the money yeah. came from. She even at the beginning when she yeah. got the money, she was she knew she knew from yeah. right then. So this distraction, let's say it's to make a distraction. Let's assume that's the case. We should just say the show ends at this point. The money oh, rains yeah. down. People collect it. There's a code, but this is David's laughing and Navarone then, then puts his cuts, head in his hands. Then it cuts to the 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 case is closed. Like they, so, they wrap it up with Maddie and David back at the at Blue Moon. But that's the end of the scene with the guy with the gun. So that's the end of that scene. So their distraction with the guy with the gun on the third the floor is to throw all the money down to the first floor. <laughs> where, where like like the, the none of that craziness is going to be anything that they're going to run through because they're upstairs. It's just the four of them there. This is a guy who went from one coast to another. Yeah. pursuing through a series of phone calls that only gave the chance for someone to get away all this time all this money the money is tossed and somehow he didn't pull out the gun and shoot three people in the head because they know who he is they knew he had the cash you get rid of him how is getting rid of the cash him going wah, wah. and then we find out they somehow turned him in how how did he just know. go rah, rah, and he just slumped his shoulders and yeah. they just put a coat over him like, you know, he's sad and they just led him to a, a squad car. <laughs> I guess he's like, I guess I'm done. That, that's that's all it is. It's it. 
I don't even know how they got him into police custody. That they no. could get the reward money that Maddie then gets like 7500 so she can yeah. shave off the IRS a little longer. But it made no sense. It just stopped. stopped. Just like the pie. Just like, just the, like pie. the cream pies at the end of season one. Yeah. I don't. Do they know how to end an episode anymore? Like, is this how it's going to be? I don't know. I'm hoping forward? not. I mean, because they, I mean, they, they had have ended. They could have had an ending. They could I mean, have. It would have involved all three of them dead, but still. Well, no. I mean, they could have thrown the money. Let's keep the ending that they thought of. All right. They could have thrown the money, and while he's like shocked that it's falling, David could have tackled him like he does every other bad guy yeah. at some point, or jumped on him or anything because he's tackled many guys with guns in the first seven episodes and if you want a sibling thing then his brother grabs the gun and points at the guy maddie yeah. makes the call because yeah. she goes to a store yeah, she, and makes a call or you know, finds a bar <laughs> it finds another bar has a wonderful conversation with the police chief that just goes on forever at this point in the mall when they're running around my first thought i want to see michael jackson running in the background michael jackson excuse me michael j fox running in the background from the secret to my success because there's a whole mall sequence there, and I just wanted every mall sequence to just converge into each other, with the exception of Wonder Woman '84. <laughs> I Such did a see. Bad film. I did see in the background of the mall a Buster Brown. Wow. Yeah. Get, get Kiki on that. See if that, I'm going to get Kiki on that and see if uh, if uh, that's even still a business. I mean, it's Payless even. A I business. can't imagine that Buster Brown is still around, but I do remember getting school shoes at a Buster Brown when I was I really little. Too. Yeah, we this this movie does show us it's 1985 because, as you pointed out, uh, Kevin is very eagle eyed with details in the episodes. And he pointed out that three posters for the movie theater were for Cocoon, Fritzy's mm. Honor. And it took a little work because it's a little blurry. Return to Oz. I have seen two of those films every time I think I'm about to see Return to Oz, even at my ripe age. I go, or do I want to sleep? Because that looks like one freak ass little film. I've yeah, I've never seen any of the three, but it's the only reason I you've look... never seen Cocoon. No, the only that's why Wilford I... Brimley is a Dewey 48 and he looks 92. <laughs> the only reason I even looked at the posters to see what they were was because I wanted to see if they actually had Guns of Navarone playing. At least they couldn't get the marquee changed for the show. <laughs> like they couldn't just. I'm assuming he even knew the Guns of Navarone were playing. That was yeah. going to be his joke. But still, it's they, they put a lot to lead to a joke that could have been used for. Ripped editing? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's, it, it's a joke that makes sense. It is. It's fine. It is. It's it's uh, the point of this was the thing we said that it just ends. Yeah, it just, it ends. just stops. It's like if you read a book and then suddenly it goes and then everyone was caught and that's the line. <laughs> you don't know how. You're reading a murder mystery and it's like and then the bad guys got caught and the good guys win and then they have a laugh. I'd like to talk about two other things where. I don't think David understands how anything works. <laughs> I just said that. Was your, I'm just saying with my mouthy anything. Anything, yeah. So it's it's another thing that like a kid would say. So he got the $35,000, $37,000 from his brother and gives it to Maddie. He gives it to Maddie, and the thing he says to her after she takes it is, have fun. <laughs> his line, Spend this money as you will? But she's got to give it to the IRS like we we established that, right? Like, what's she going to how's she going to have fun with it? So if uh, this had been re that's a very good point, because if this been reversed and Manny giving him the money, was he going to go on a gumball spree? Yeah, probably. Yeah, Just I actually go to think the, it would be Go to gumballs. the top of the biggest hill and roll as many marbles as he can. One of them's going to win. Um, Just clapping and dancing <laughs> along with Liam. Just how happy. And so then the other thing was when they were at the mall before Navarone confronts them. 
thing. David says to Maddie when they're just the two of them in the mall, he came all this way to impress me. I'm impressed. By what? <laughs> What's he impressed by? The flop he stole money. He still cop money, I guess, but he doesn't know that. But he's still like, he, he has money he shouldn't have. He, he came money. all this way to Lied. say, hey, I found all this money and I spent it all at the mall. <laughs> and he's impressed. What's well, he, he also impressed said by? he also that, said he came over because he knew David was a detective. Yeah, and now he keeps in touch. So sure. he thought David could help him. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense because he was coming pretending to be he was a success. So yeah. that how did how do you ask him? Can you help me about this guy who wants his money back? By the way, no, this is actually money, my money. And I'm a success. I don't understand that. You're only impressed if you're like a 10 year old boy. Yeah. And you say, oh, it's so cool how he got all that money. And then he got to buy a crossbow with it. And he stayed in a really cool hotel. He's like it's home alone life. too. <laughs> yeah. He, I, I bet for dinner he had ice cream. Oh, because he Oh, could. that would be so cool. It was sort of like, uh, you know, in big when he buys a trampoline and then yeah. buys bunk beds. It's all the same. It's yeah. all the same. Every, I got to admit. I, I everything do like is big. Beds, so. It's all. It's all big. Big. You, you were dead on. It is all big. David would want nothing more than a Pepsi machine in his office. Yeah. Even though he'd still have to put quarters in it. He'd ask Maddie for the quarters. He'd ask Maddie for the quarters. He'd have the trampoline, even though he'd repeatedly smack his head against the ceiling. He'd have a crossbow that he'd be firing at that basket that he put on top of the door when we first met him, you know, in the first episode when it dumped on. Oh, God, he'd actually he'd he'd, he'd do a William S. Burroughs and he would put an apple on top of Agnes's head with the crossbow. That's not going to end well, <laughs> but it's fun and kooky and enjoyable. He's David. He's David. He's David. Have fun paying the IRS. Enjoy fun. getting yourself out of debt. I don't have debt because I don't have credit cards or any ID <laughs> whatsoever. And I live in the same dumpster with Oscar the Grouch, I think, maybe. All I'm saying is I know <laughs> Snuffleupagus is real. Before I got large last year, I saw in an episode <laughs> that Oscar was livid. I was watching this show. I had finished my homework. And I was watching this show. <laughs> and Oscar was living in a trash can. And I said, that'd be cool. I want from now on, and, uh, and before we we used to say big, I want this movie to now be called large. <laughs> when when someone just ruins a plan, they screw the boat. Screw but the boat. all the better is the movie is now called large. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's still Zoltar, though. You guys still got to go yeah. with Zoltar. Yeah. Zoltar gives the card in large. But, you know, David at one point is going, what's so fun about playing with buildings? And he's going to make them insect toys. And it's all going to be the plot line. But everything's going to lead from that. Eventually, Maddie, as the Nancy Travis character Big, is going to drive him back to a suburb somewhere like Tom's River, New Jersey, or wherever it was. Mm -hmm. And he's going to see just David turn to a little boy and run off. And his brother's waiting there with a crossbow so they can play crossbow volleyball because they're idiots. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming that's episode 65. (laughs) <laughs> yep we know how this is ending people yeah. we don't know how it's ending maddie, but maddie we are drives, so certain maddie drives richard and david back to their house watches them become small and yeah. small because that's the prequel to large in their suits and then they play crossball wiffle ball and maddie maddie will be fine maddie will be, be fine off. She, she'll be It'll better off. by out. that point she'll be four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in debt because of god knows what <laughs> david has done <laughs> but Agnes will take over the agency and actually solve, actually get clients and solve mysteries. Oh yeah, you move Agnes into that into David's office. Things should get done. Should yeah. get done. People want to work with Agnes. God. But Ma- anyway, Maddie needs to leave this profession. <laughs> just go. 
just go on the lam with $37,000. Just <laughs> run. Just run. I mean, listen, she could yeah. probably do spokesperson things. She could oh, probably yeah. do, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff she could be doing except running a detective agency with a staff of 430 people who do nothing that she's got to pay tax for that never have a claim. Even when they do have a case, it's not a paying case. They, she is dying here, Kevin. You are right. <laughs> she is dying here. Yeah, she needs to get out. And she's not going to for like another No, because seasons. we're on episode seven. <laughs> we're on episode seven of 65 episodes. She's in a cage, not Agnes. She... So join us next time for Moonlighting. Yeah, we're appropriately... The, the title of the next episode is The Lady in the Iron Mask. Yeah. I I, I really just want them to go for full Alexander Dumas. I want I want the uh, the musketeers to appear in this. I want I want mm-hmm. everything. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Apparently, there is disfigurement involved. So join the hilarity next week. Oh, damn it. Oh, God. David, don't gonna, do it, man. Is he going to make a scar joke? He's going to sure. make a scar. I mean, obviously not scar from Lion King. The, the timing would be off. But he's going to say something. <laughs> but... Welcome back. We're happy to be here. We're happy to be spending the time. And now stay tuned for your local news. Tonight on Eyewitness News. Still have your Christmas tree up? Real or fake, that tree is coming for you. (laughs) 